Welcome to Dads with Nerdy Ambitions. I'm your host, Steve Pugh. Normally with me is my brother, Joey. Uh, unfortunately, he couldn't make it today. However, in his missingness, we're going to have two special guests from the Mandalorian Mercs Costume Club. I have David and Donald with me. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello, hello. How you thank doing? Thank you for having us. Uh, thank you. Um, so on this episode, we're kind of going into what it is to be a Mandalorian. Uh, we're going to talk about the MMCC, uh, kind of how you guys make your costumes. And at the end of it, we'll kind of talk about the the show, The Mandalorian. Um, so I've done a little bit of research. I got a kind of an idea of what the MMCC is. Uh, but for our listeners, why don't you go ahead and give me a, what is your guys' interpretation of what it is? Who wants to take this one? Do you want to give them the spiel or do you want me to give them the spiel? <laughs> You've got this even more rehearsed than I do. So you <laughs> uh, the, the Mandalorian Mercs Costume Club is, uh, is a Star Wars-based uh, costume club. We are the third largest of the Star Wars clubs mm -hmm. um, after the 501st Legion and the Rebel Legion. Uh, our club is uh, Mandalorian only. So we're kind of a niche club, which makes uh, the fact that we're the third biggest um, uh, a little bit more remarkable. We have almost 2,500 uh, active official, well, not active. We have over almost 2,500 official members, and I believe we're in 40 countries around the world in all 50 states. Um, uh, to become a member of our club, uh, you need a suit of Mandalorian armor. Uh, and, and the other, the thing about our club, as opposed to some of the others, uh, what attracted me to our club, uh, I can't speak for Don, but what attracted me to the club is that most of our costumes are custom characters. So we do have members who are, who are canon characters. We have members who are a Boba. We have members who are Django or Bo-Katan or, um, you know, any of the others that you might see on the show. But most of us, we come in with a very specific uh, vision for what our character does. Um, uh, my armor is here behind me. Uh, uh, my character is a medic character. And so I have all sorts of, of medic style gear. We have other people in our club who want to, you know, be beast masters or they want to be snipers or, or whatever. And so everybody builds their character the, the way they want it. Uh, you, again, you are required to have a, a suit of armor. Uh, most of us handcraft our armor ourselves. We use a, a plastic or PVC or some people wear metal. And then you join and you uh, you get with other folks in your area. Uh, we do events uh, uh, such as you know Star Wars Celebration or Dragon Con or Gen Con or any of these those other big events. Uh, but we also do a lot of charity work as well. Uh, and people get into the club for different reasons. They get into it because they like the building. Some people like the charity aspect. Some people just they love Star Wars and they love Mandalorians. And so so that's why they that's why they build their character. So let me ask you, gentlemen, and we'll start with you, Don. Uh, how long have you been with the MMCC? I've actually um, been with the MMCC officially since September 2018. Uh, so I just hit, you know, the uh, two-year mark there. It's it's honestly it's been a been a quick ride for me because I, I started probably back in 2016 with the interest of getting into it and bought a helmet and took a big hiatus. Uh, just got away from me. And uh, me and my buddy, uh, we got it back into it. And he's like, hey, we need to get going on this. So we kind of hit it hard. And it was really, honestly, his idea to begin with. Uh, he kind of proposed the idea. We were both huge Star Wars fans and, and kind of went from there with it. And he proposed the idea of getting into the club. Uh, oddly enough, I, I got into the club about six months earlier than he did. Um, 
it was probably about six months actually after I met David because David and I, not only for being council members within the club and all that, we're also clan members as well. I was his Alarad for a short time period uh, before I moved up into my current position as the public relations officer. But uh, yeah, it's it's been since September 2018 that I've been with the, the club itself. And you, David? I met the club in 2012 at Star Wars Celebration in Orlando then. And and like Don, I, I, I met the club. I was like, and all the costume clubs were there. Okay, mm. so the 501st is there, and the Rebel Legion is there, and the Dark Empire is there, and Saber Guild, and the Droid Builders, and all, all these all these clubs are there. And that was the first big event that I had gone to. And I never knew that, that people did this. Well, I, I knew, but I had never seen it up close. And I, But I didn't know there was a Mandalorian club. And so I kind of... I kind of creeped out some of the members there because I was just stalking them for the entire weekend. Like, how do you do this? How do you do that? Can you show me about your helmet? And this, you know, so I left celebration and I came back and I did pretty much the same thing. I bought a helmet and then I got on our, our club forums and started uh, interacting with some of the other members as, as you do. And then I kind of, you kind of hit a wall. Because at the time, we didn't have any other members in my area. Well, there was one other member in our area, uh, and that was it. And so, but the, after uh, after a couple months, I buckled down and and got to work. And I became an official member of the club in 2014. And at the time, uh, uh, there was no. I was the first official member of our club in West Virginia. Since then, we had enough members around here to stand up a clan. And I was I was the first clan leader, uh, the first Alarad of our clan. Uh, and then in 2016, I became brigadier, uh, which is a, a council position within our club. It's it's a special it's a specialized program. Uh, you know, I won't bore you with the details of that. <laughs> All right. uh, and I've been serving in that capacity since uh, since then. Uh, you guys both touched on a subject. Uh, you keep using the word clans. Can you explain to listeners what a clan is? It's well, it's clan with a C. That's oh, number clan. one. Okay, clan, <laughs> clan with a C. Yeah. Um, and it it has to do with uh with uh, a lot of our club derives itself and uh, derives the traditions and the organization uh based on some of the mandalorian lore that's come out of star wars uh and so you know and our club reflects that so just like the other clubs for example in the the 501st legion they call their individual units garrisons Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's in in uh, in each state or some countries there there's a garrison for that. Um, uh, in West Virginia, it's uh, Garrison Corellia. Uh, the Rebel Legion they use bases, and so in West Virginia, it's Amonkani base uh, for for us. Um, so for the man in the Mandalorian lore, they're they're loosely based around a clan structure, and so uh, in most of the states, sometimes a clan will cover two states. We have a several states that have, you know, California, Florida, and Texas. There are several clans within which in within each of those states, mm-hmm. um, and it's basically just uh, just local members. Uh, for us, for in West Virginia, we have what 20, 20 21. OMs, twenty one OMs. Yep. Um, you know, so the largest of our clans have over a hundred. So it's, you know, it's, it's just how we, how we organize it. It's an administrative unit within the club. Uh, each clan is headed by an Alarad, A-L-O-R apostrophe A-D, because Mandalorians <laughs> love apostrophes, right? Uh, and so we derive a lot of, the, a lot of the, the terms that we see out of some of the vocabulary and out of some of the, the resources that Star Wars has, has dropped on us uh, having to do with Mandalorians. That's very cool. Those are very cool. 
Um, you also mentioned you guys do a lot of work with charities. Uh, what are some charities you guys are working with currently? Well, we've actually got numerous. Um, we constantly, which we have our own charity, which is called Little Warriors International, uh, which is a nonprofit charity that basically steamheads and is against bullying, basically helping, Very you know, cool. uh, stand against that, um, which is honestly being in this kind of fandom and all that. I think all of us have dealt with that in one way or another, you know, the nerdy kids typically do. It's, it's just the common thing there. Um, that's our, our charity that we have. We constantly are working with other larger charities. I know we did a uh, MercsCon earlier this year. Um, all the money with it. Gosh, I can't even remember right off the top of my head, what charity we had everything go to now, but we, we've done things with, um, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, um, the uh, Wildlife uh, Rescue Fund that was in Australia um, when all the fires were going on there. It really, every charity that we do something with, it's typically a one-off basis. Sometimes we'll touch again base with them and do something you know, multiple times for them. But it's it's really what speaks to us at that time, what you know, the current needs of the you know, the climate is of things. We we constantly are readjusting that and you know, trying to broaden our horizons the most we possibly can because by all means, you know, there's always something we can give to. Um, you know, and, and that's never going to change there. But it's gotta be a, a very deserving kind of situation for us to be able to do that. I know last year we did a a run of breast cancer awareness patches that we we gave to a, a breast cancer foundation that we were a part of there. So it, it definitely, like I said, it's, it, it always is constantly evolving in that respect and what we touch with and all, but our main one is uh, little warriors international. That's very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, I definitely uh, actually bought into this. I showed you guys this earlier. Mm -hmm. I definitely, that's actually why I uh, originally got into the MMCC when I, uh, looked into it uh i had family from australia and they had mentioned that there was some stuff going on that you guys actually mentioned out to them and it really intrigued me and i thought that was very cool um you guys you said now you've don have you made your own armor or uh, i know uh -huh. david you said you were yep. making yours or yep. had made yours um what are the typical materials that you guys make them out of? Uh, you said PVC and sometimes metal. Yeah, the the common ones are Centro, which is a kind of a brand term, which is what David's uh, armor is behind him. Uh, it's a closed cell PVC expanded uh, expanded closed cell PVC, I think. Um, but basically, it comes in a sheet form. Uh, you can buy it in diff different thicknesses and all, and uh, basically it's it's heat formed. You heat it up with a uh, a heat gun, and and from there you form it around you know whatever shape you need to to do. Um, that's probably the most common of all of the the materials that we use. There are numerous that that do metal uh, outfits. Um, you know that is made out of stainless, different you know metals like that, aluminum. Um, there are a few with our early crusaders uh, because we have different divisions and all that of styling of, of armor. David's is a legacy behind him. My kit is a traditional Boba style outfit and all that in the sense of the way the plates are cut out. Um, you get into the, the very early uh, divisions, early crusaders, and you get some of those that are, are leather uh, even. So it's, oh, it, wow. we have, multiple different materials that they can be made out of, but most commonly the uh, Sentra uh, is uh, the big one that everybody goes to. It's, it's fairly inexpensive um, and can be easily worked for the most part. 
how do you guys feel about the 3D printing technologies that make it a lot easier for you oh, guys to make your armor? Love it. Love it. Uh, in fact, my bucket is all 3D printed. <laughs> Every bit of it is. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 a great medium. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's I, I'm in the house and believe that when you go to 3D printing, not everything needs to be 3D printed. Uh, I, I wouldn't 3D print, you know, you know, chest armor and all that because it's just not as cost effective in all honesty. I, I can knock it a lot out a lot easier with Sentra uh, as opposed to, you know, waiting three, four days for something to print off and all that. So, but it, Which, it's definitely a great thing. It, it's, it's brought a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of neat uh, little kind of nuances to things because you can put a lot of detail into stuff with, 3D printing that you might not as easily be able to do with just Sentra. What is the average cost of a full set of Mandalorian armor go for these days? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the golden question. I, I know there's some that, uh, you know, it, it's like any fandom when you get into cosplay or costuming and all is it's all dependent on how much time that you want to put into something. Uh, you can do it very inexpensively, probably under what, two 250 you know american dollars and all um if if you do a lot of the work yourself and that's you know you know sewing your your flak vest yourself from scratch and then you know making your your armor and 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 going and collecting things and finding things on sale and all that yeah you can do it fairly inexpensively you can use there's people out there still to this day that make buckets out of uh you know uh plastic uh containers and all that so it's you know it, or, or it, it can be yeah, Pepakura, that's another thing that people do as well, which is very time-consuming. I've seen some really beautiful, you know, buckets made out of it, but it's it's time-consuming. But it's you it's cost effective. That word. You keep using that word bucket. So that's that's is that the the Mandalorian term for helmets? Is it, it is. What other some uh, fancy words you guys use for your uh, Mandalorian armor? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, a lot I'm of opening that are, can of worms. <laughs> there are a lot of them. They're kind of based on military terminology. Okay. Uh, Bucket, you know, helmet, uh, kit, uh, our our whole outfit that we wear, our, our costume, basically. Uh, those are the probably the most common of, of okay. them that, that we get thrown around as jargon, to say the least. If, so, if you are interested in, in learning about a lot of that, the there was a series of books that came out 2004-ish. They were the Republic Commando books uh, by Karen Travis, you know, and it was it was during the period. It was after uh, the the prequel trilogy came out, and uh, so and but it was before the Clone Wars TV show came out. And Karen Travis wrote this series of books, and in the books, the Mandalorian culture she kind of invented it for us, and the club has drawn very deeply from that. Um, and basically, the gist of the 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 plot of the books is that there's this, there were these units of Republic commandos, clones that were specifically trained by Mandalorians that in, in this particular canon, Django Fett was Mandalore. Django was the leader of the Mandalorians. He was Mandalore. And when the, when he was hired by the mysterious figure master Sifo Dyas, supposedly they asked him to find, to hire, to bring along a hundred Mandalorian sergeants to train uh, these Republic commandos. And so the, the, Republic, the Mandalorians indoctrinated the Republic commandos with a lot of Mandalorian culture type items. And so a lot of the terms that we use come out of that. 
you know, they talk about you know, the uh, uh, clankers and some of these other things. Those are those are words we use that from the TV show. But you know, bucket for your helmet is is a term that comes out of those books. Um, and until until the the Clone Wars came out and introduced uh, some of the Mandalorian plot lines from the from the cartoon, and then Rebels did the same. Really, the 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 place we went for reference, the places we went for reference were some of the old video games, Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, they had that had that had a Mandalorian plot base to it. Uh, the Mandalorian Wars are, are what caused uh, uh, Revan and Malak to fall to the dark side, and so on. Uh, spoiler alert for a fifteen-minute <laughs> video game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the Republic Commando books and later Imperial Commando book, um, that's really where a lot of our club got started. You know, because folks they, they just they jumped right into that. So. I have two questions here for you. I'm going to start with this one because you touched on a, a lot of subjects that I have. You know, <laughs> a lot of people want have questions for too. Uh, so Mark wants to know: Are Django and Boba true Mandalorians or even pseudo Mandalorians? <laughs> so yeah, that's a that's a heck of a question because I even tried to do a little research on this to try to get I'm like, what is he talking about? I thought I'm like, of course they're Mandalorian, but you guys are the experts. So uh, the floor is all yours. Who wants to take this one? You go ahead, Dave. <laughs> okay. So here's the deal with that. Because that if, if you want to start a fight amongst Mandalorian people, that's the number one question. Uh, again, and it depends on... And the root of this is the way Disney... Well, Lucasfilm, LFL, the way Lucasfilm and the way Disney approached the subject of canon. And what is canon and what is not canon? Again, in the Karen Travis books, Django is Mandalorian. That's period. And Boba is his clone. Boba was the clone that he was promised as payment for becoming the, the genetic template for the clone army. Well, then, and, and that was fine. And people, we, we chugged along with that until in the Clone Wars TV show, someone comes along and they retcon it. And they say that Django wasn't really a Mandalorian. He was a bounty hunter who either bought or found or, you know, stole the, the armor. Ooh. And so that starts this spiral of, you know, just down this rabbit hole. And, you know, I, a lot of it just depends on on which continuity you choose to believe and which canon sources you, you choose to go with. Um, you know, Boba Fett is is kind of the ancestor of our club, you know, because... I, 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 I'm going to date myself, uh, you know, because, you know, when you, when you go to see Empire Strikes Back, I went to see Empire Strikes Back. I was uh, seven years old. Right. So I go to the theater in 1980 and I go to and, you know, it's, it's great. It's Empire Strikes Back and, you know, all this stuff's going on. And you see this guy in the coolest looking costume, like of all the cool Star Wars costumes, like Boba Fett is number one. Okay. And not only that, Darth Vader is going down the line and telling him, hey, I, you know, I want Captain Solo alive. And then he points at Boba Fett and he says, no disintegrations. This guy must be the baddest bounty hunter in the galaxy. You know, if he has to be warned specifically not to disintegrate someone, you know. And so then again, it goes on. And then there's there's all this this these books and all this other stuff that comes out after Empire or after Jedi up until up until Phantom Menace comes out. Um, and then, you know, then we get introduced to Django and we find out the relationship between Boba and Django and, you know, all that 
you know, just goes on. So, you know, in, in my mind, you know, I, I always treat Boba and Django as if they are Mandalorian because again, that it, I tend to skew more heavily towards, towards the Imperial commando books and Republic commando books than necessarily what I see on the clone wars. But you know what? Clone Wars is also canon, so who knows? Okay, all right. That's uh, my soapbox, by the way. <laughs> no, by all means, that's great. That's it's interesting. It's 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 neat to see that Star Wars has so many of these little, you know, argument things. It's not just the who shot first, Han or Greedo. It's are these actually Mandalorians okay. for, or not? For, for, for the record, for the record, Greedo never shot anybody. Han shot Greedo, died. That's the way it goes. <laughs> <laughs> there was no shot first. <laughs> to be a shoot first, there has to be a second shot. All right, all right, touche. So you kind of covered the Mandalorian lore just a, uh, a brief bit, especially about the the whole Django. Um, for our listeners, can you give just a, like an overview of what it is that is Mandalore, Mandalorian, and there's a whole lot. The, the The show has brought in a ton of new information. Uh, I, I was always under the assumption it was a people or like a type of warrior when I originally got into it. And now I'm discovering it's a religion. It's a planet. Uh, what can you. Yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff here. Uh, but can you give a brief like history of what it is that is Mandalore? Go ahead, Dave. He, <laughs> he's better with the, the history of stuff than I ever thought of being. So. Oh, don't worry. You're going to get some questions. Oh, so don't I worry. Know, we'll make sure you got <laughs> Oh, Again, a lot of it goes back to which parts of the Star Wars lore that you you want to, to place emphasis on. And and this is one of those things that, as, as Star Wars has come along, and, and I, I say this appreciating that when they started writing the Star Wars books, right? So when the Star Wars uh, novels come out, beginning with Heir to the Empire in the early 90s, um, there was a concerted effort by, by LFL, by, the, by Lucasfilm, and by, by the people who controlled the Star Wars intellectual property. There was a concerted effort to maintain continuity across all the sources, right? Mm -hmm. So what you see in that, in that setting is... You see a character who is who is introduced in in one set of books. Another author may pick that up, and they may pick it up and run with it, and and go on. And there was a guy, I think his name is Leland Chi, who was the keeper of the holocron. And he is the guy that when somebody was writing a book or making a video game or whatever, they would call him and say, "Well, can I do this or what happened?" Um, but then what happens later on is someone comes along and they write something new, especially if it's Lucas or if it's, you know, Dave Filoni or someone, because the movies and the TV show or whatever George Lucas at the time decided was canon, he could retcon anything. OK, and so no matter what of that said in a video game before or what they said in a novel before, if if Lucas films, if George Lucas himself or Dave Filoni or whoever who's running the show comes along and says, nope, we're going to change that. So Django is just, you know, uh, a, a random bounty hunter who found some armor. That's the way it goes until they retcon something. Generally speaking, the history of the Mandalorians is that they were uh, a, a warrior people who. Um, on the planet Mandalore, which you know you think they could have a better name, um, <laughs> the, man, the on the planet Mandalore, uh, they have they started a warrior culture, 
And one of the one of the aspects of this planet, what made the planet strategically valuable was Beskar, the Mandalorian iron, which conveniently is blaster resistant and almost lightsaber proof, oh, which wow. is very helpful if you're fighting Jedi. Yeah. Wow. And so in in some of the earlier continuity and in some of the, the earlier video games, I mentioned Knights of the Old Republic, which if you haven't played it, is a fantastic video game. Knights of the Old Republic and Knights okay. of the Old Republic 2. Um, the, the, before that, there is the Mandalorian Wars. And the Jedi go to war with the Mandalorians, and they eventually win at great cost. And at the end of that, uh, at the end of the Mandalorian Wars, Revan and his apprentice, Malak, they, they fall to the dark side. Uh, and part of the plot of the video, spoiler alert again, part of the plot of the video game is is uh, uh, redeeming Revan. Is you have the choice to redeem Revan, and then in Knights of the Old Republic two, um, uh, you you have you play another character who fought uh, with Revan during the war, and then throughout this you have characters uh, you you run into a character Candorus Ordo, who becomes Mandalore, and he is trying to reunite the Mandalorian clans. Uh, in that. And so again, that's 4,000 years before, before Star Wars A New Hope. And then you have the Mandalorians that appear in, um, in the Star Wars Old Republic MMO. I don't know if you've played the Star Wars Old Republic MMO. It's a pretty good game. Uh, and there, there's a Mandalorian, there's a Mandalorian uh, bounty hunter class who throughout the course of that, you know, you can become Mandalore. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot of lore out there. Um, the thing that attracted me to our club is where our club drew draws very strongly upon the mostly the Imperial Commando, Republic Commando books. Um, being Mandalorian isn't def, uh, uh, limited to uh, to a certain species, so you don't have to be human. You don't have to be born on Mandalore. Uh, being Mandalorian is a meritocracy, and uh, there's a there's a expression in the in the book. It says. No one cares who your father was. The only thing that matters is the father that you will be. And so, you know, they will adopt anyone who who fits who who wants to live a Mandalorian lifestyle. And and you know, there's a lot of you know duty and honor and other things that go into that. Um, okay. And the other thing is, you know, it, Mandalorians don't care what species you are, what gender you are. Can you shoot straight? Can you do whatever your job is? And if the answer is yes, great. We'll call you brother or sister. And if not, then you become a stormtrooper. Yeah, you know. But again, everybody has Thanks, a job. Thanks, John. Thanks. Everybody has a job. Um, so you're talking about foundlings. Uh, and this is a question another uh, one of our listeners had. Uh, Jeff wants to know, in the show The Mandalorian, we get a brief look at foundlings. Uh, you kind of educated us a little bit about them, um, our listeners. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about the upbringing and culture of foundlings? Well, foundlings, I think, if I'm not mistaken, is just completely from the TV show, actually. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I don't think it has any other reference anywhere else, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so and it was canon. Yeah, it really is new canon. It was you know, Filoni and, you know, Favreau, that it was their thinking, um, which in all honesty, it's been kind of nice that they put a name to it because we, we refer to our foundlings as unofficial members, uh, which it's nice to not be able to call them something, you know, that, you know, can be taken, you know, in a, a, a stance that is not the best sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm not quite there yet, you know, but, uh, yeah. 
it, it really it's it's just another word for apprentice. You know, somebody you take under your wing and are, are showing the ways of things uh, is really all it is. And honestly, I, I kind of like the the terminology with it's, it. It's it's a nice term. Um, so looking through, if we're being honest here, in wasn't till 1980. From 1980 to 1983, when we're looking at episodes uh, five and six, and about 15 minutes of footage, maybe about five lines, one of them being him screaming to, you know, his, well, up until recently, spoilers, his death, you know, uh, uh, you have this bounty hunter, Boba Fett. What is the fascination behind that? Well, actually, before I get to that, because you have that. And then in episodes two and three, which came out then around the 99 to 2005, you get to meet Django. And then recently, now we got uh, Den, we got Bo-Katan, we got Sabine, and a handful of other Mandalorians. But it wasn't the, the, the following, the cult, if you will, uh, the fandom for the Mandalorians was way back. It was back in the 80s. It was back in late 70s, early 80s. What it is? What is it about Boba Fett? What is it about the Mandalorians that it's it has such a following that has this club with over twenty five hundred members? It, there, there's numerous things, honestly. I, I know when you specifically look at just Boba Fett uh, himself, you know he he is the antithesis of you know basically Dirty Harry in Star Wars. It's, he really, honestly, is he he's your gunslinger that's mysterious, dark. That that is Boba Fett at the core in fact if you listen to any time he's walking that was actually george lucas's whole idea and thought process behind it you hear spurs hitting the ground when he walks he is the gunslinger basically he is the outlaw uh and i i think that was partly with me what was so captivating about boba fett he he's somebody that you can kind of tell that doesn't live in normal society he is he is the outlaw. He is the the person that is basically marching to the beat of his own drum, um, and that was what was always kind of attractive to me with Boba Fett. And honestly, in the prequels, you know, just kind of building off of that in the Jango Fett and all that, it, it was neat to see that he's not just the only one. So you know, you start seeing that whole you know dichotomy of what's going on there. It, it, it's really kind of nice to know that. Yeah, they're very similar. You got a clone basically of of the one and but in the same respect they could be so different because you know they're they are night and day different. When you look at their armor even, um th- there's just you've got one that has a very lived in look, uh, and then you got the other one's very clean and proper and all that. Uh, there there's there's a lot of different facets. I think it's really it's it's one of the things that every individual person kind of takes their own thing away from it. And that's that's what's great about, honestly, about all of Star Wars. Everybody sees their own little different things from it. Would you say they're the most, probably one of the most relatable characters? Uh, you, the Jedis, are the really good, the good guys. <laughs> Your Sith are really, really bad guys. Darth Vader's just very angry. Uh, and then you have this guy who, you know, rebel with, basically a rebel without a cause. He's, he's a hand for hire, and he is just this, he's, Badass. Let's put it, let's put it that way. Is yeah. is that what, what you would say that he's probably more relatable than the Jedi or the Sith? It once again, it's it's it, it's all dependent on that person. You know what you find relatable to you. It's you know I, I've got friends and all that that are in other cosplay groups that just 
couldn't fathom building a Mando. But <laughs> and then you've got some people like David, for instance. He belongs to you know all the the larger clubs and all that. He's in the five hundred first. He's in the Rebel Legion, Dark Empire, right? Uh, and and then the Mandos, uh, and then me. I you know I'm solely Mandos. That's all I want to do. It's it really it's everybody's going to find their own special thing with it and all. Um, and really that's, that's once again, it goes back to star Wars where everybody's got their own thing. It's, you know, if, if you like your good guys and you're always kind of rooting for, for those guys, you got the, you know, got the rebel legion and, and the rebels and you like the, the, the bad guys and all that. Obviously you've got the empire or the five Oh first with us. We definitely straddle the line of all of it because, you know, with us, you know, the Mandalorian Mercs, you're, you're building your own story. You really honestly are, um, you know, no two Mandos are alike by any means. Um, you've obviously like David touched on earlier, you've got people that love Canon and all that, that want to build the Django, want to build the Boba, but you've got overwhelming numbers that like their custom. They, they like putting their own little touches and making it theirs. Um, you just kind of take out of uh, all of it, you know, what, what speaks to you in that respect? You really honestly do. Okay. Um, got a question here for you from a nice young gentleman named Ethan. He wants to know, what is the most common weapon that Mandalorians use or have? I, I, honestly, the, the weapons are, are probably about the farthest across the board as, as the Mandalorians <laughs> themselves. Um, so, well, let's ask you this. What at weapons do you guys have for your Mandalorian uh, all uh, alternate personalities? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I've got a custom sniper rifle that's about 53 inches long. Um, it's actually hanging above me here. I, I also carry an E11, uh, you know, the common blaster that stormtroopers use. Um, those are my two things I typically carry when I go out to an event or anything like that, make an appearance. Um, but really it's that it's, it's crazy across the board. You'll get some crazy <laughs> stuff out there. People are making it's, it's neat to see what people come up with in all honesty. All right. What about you, David? Uh, well, I have, <laughs> there is a <laughs> running get a joke list? in our clan. <laughs> there is a running joke in our clan that says, how much crap can Dave carry? Yeah. <laughs> and just every now and then, just cause I can, I'll add something just to see who notices. So, um, I have a giant uh, executioner style axe that I that I carry around. Uh, you can see on my armor there. I've got a this is a, a just a DC seventeen mini pistol from like a Clone War uh, Captain Rex style. I've got a couple other blasters that I carry. I, I wear a, a a biker scout blaster on my boot. I have a knife in my other boot. I have a couple of swords that I carry. Uh, so it just depends. And again, it's, it goes back to, to what our club does. Um, everybody has a different character and everybody has what they want to build. And some people, they, they have cannon, they have cannon weapons. Sometimes it's literally a cannon, but other times it's a, it's a DL 44, uh, uh, blaster. It's Han Solo's blaster. They'll have, they'll have an E 11, which is a stormtrooper blaster or the E 22, which is a scarif trooper blaster. Um, so as long as it looks swarzy, that's a, a general term we use for, you know, if it looks like it belongs in Star Wars, uh, one of the, one of the, my main sidearm is, uh, it's a kit bash, it's a bunch of kit bash Nerf guns that I that's bought awesome. off a guy on Etsy and he, he 
you can if you know Nerf guns, you can see well it's the it's the you know lower receiver of a Praxis that's turned upside down and it's got a, a recon upper receiver here and this and that and the other, um, and it's just it's just put together. Uh, you know there there's no actual equivalent in the Star Wars universe, but I get to carry it. Uh, I've got a Verpine uh, Shatter gun that I also carry. Um, sometimes it just depends on on how much I feel like carrying it around i've also been building a triple barrel uh uh gatling style blaster cannon it's in the garage right now i, oh, I call I that super compensator 5000 uh, <laughs> you know so it it just it just depends now if, if you come into our club and you want to be uh boba or Django um or you know bo katan if you want to play if your bo katan is your character you're going to have two west r35 blasters like she carries uh, uh boba has his ee3 uh, uh, blaster rifle uh, and whatever the pistol is, you know, and Django has his his Westar blaster. So um, it just depends uh, on what you want to do with your character. Okay, so we did. You did talk about uh, becoming members. Uh, you know, for people who are interested in becoming them and what their personality and what they're bringing to the table. What is the best way for uh, men and women to? of all ages to get in touch with you to uh, join the Mandalorian Mercs. Uh, what's the best way to go about it and what should they expect? Yeah. Uh, really, honestly, the best way is probably through our website, uh, which is MandalorianMercs.org. Um, through there, um, you can actually find local clans and all that in your area, team up with people uh, to help you build your kit, uh, find out tons of knowledge on there. Cause yeah, in this day and age, we honestly live in a, a YouTube world where you can find out how to do anything on YouTube. But the best resources that you're ever going to have is going to start on our website, our forums. Um, there's tons of tutorials there, uh, you know, how to build anything from a, a, a Pepakura helmet all the way to, you know, metal armor. You know, you're going to find it all on there. Um through there and also we have our, our facebook page mandalorianmercs.com or mandalorian mercs you can find us on facebook instagram twitter uh we have a brigades page for the brigades division of everything uh so pretty much you 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 start looking you're going to find it real quick that's awesome awesome all right so i have one more question um more of just kind of go over and then we'll start going into the show the mandalorian um based on everything you guys have educated me with here because it is been a lot um i almost want to argue that the star wars universe everything that has happened it almost couldn't happen without the mandalorians would you say that the the mandalorians have had a huge effect on the star wars universe the the how everything that has happened that we've seen like they are not in the back they're not in the front for the most but they're kind of in the back. They're kind of behind the curtain, helping out and doing this with the uh, the clones, with the the how Revan and Malik. What are your guys' opinions on that? Do you feel like the Star Wars universe, the story that we know to this day, could be known the way it is without the Mandalorians, or do they have that much of a significant effect? Honestly, yeah, they've they've had a, a huge effect, I think, in the background of everything. Yeah, they're they're not your Luke Skywalkers and all that on the front end of everything, but you know, it's there's a lot of the behind the scenes, you know, jobs that are happening and what's finally basically getting told, uh, you know, through like show like The Mandalorian or the Clone Wars animated series, all that, um, that is is really showing that the Mandalorians have been there the whole time and and 
they've been key figures here or there and 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 been you know chess pieces basically in this large game uh but definitely it, i don't think any of it could have happened without them at one point or another uh, it, it definitely they're going to keep interjecting here and there and, and coming all over the place okay and, and i think uh, some so of that the- has been due to fan uh fan demand i mean you, you ask why people like boba fett because because Boba and Jango are the coolest looking dudes in Star Wars. I mean, in, in, in Empire Strikes Back, again, in Empire Strikes Back, that he just is. And part of it is the mystery. Part of it is that he is this mysterious character that you don't really get to know, who only has a handful of lines. Um, you know, and then, let's be honest, he goes out like a chump in Jedi, <laughs> right? But he didn't uh, die. He didn't die. We've learned well, that. He, he, or there's a possibility. Well... He, well, right. Somebody went. In, somebody went into the Sarlacc and retrieved his armor. Let's just say that. Uh, so, but he, but he still goes out like a chump, right? Han Solo is blind and hits him in the back with a with a fiber axe. Uh, you know, but but still, you know, the the books and the other lore that came, the other canon that came after that, they kind of build up uh, Boba Fett as a character. They introduce Mandalore and Mandalorians, and then once it gets around to the Clone Wars. You know, you have you have. Uh, I think Dave Filoni wrote in a a, a Mandalorian storyline because of fan demand. Again, that's speculation on my part, but just a lot of people like Mandalorians, and so then you know that they, they write in, in Rebels. There's a Mandalorian character, Sabine, uh, that comes along as as one of the anchors of that show. Uh, the the Clone Wars season seven that came out. You know, it had it had the three. The three storylines, you know, the, the Bad Batch at the beginning, the Ahsoka storyline in the middle, and then it, it had the, the Siege of Mandalore at the end. Um, and I think a lot of that is because there is demand from the fans, uh, because they want to know more about Mandalorians. They want to see more more Mandalorians. And then, of course, then the first live action Disney TV show is The Mandalorian. Um, oh, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, just to, I, I was even one of our earlier episodes was talking to my brother and saying we probably live in the golden age of nerdum right now. Uh, the the fans definitely have that voice. Case in point, if you look at Zack Snyder's cut of the Justice League, we're literally getting a four part two hour episodes, a uh, two yeah, four two hour episodes of the Justice League, which is the unheard of like a studio remaking a movie so the fact that you say that you think the fans have that voice i will not argue that at all i absolutely believe that and maybe the mandalorian is the case in point of that um so kind of going on that um let's go into the the actual uh show the mandalorian uh, so we are into season two. We've gotten to see some really neat things from season one. A lot of people had a lot of questions. Uh, most of those would be like from people who really didn't watch Clone Wars or the Rebels. Um, so looking into it, we at the end of season one, we got to see uh, Moff Gideon's uh, character. And uh, at the end of it, he has the dark saber. Does this make him the Mandalore? No, <laughs> no, not my, well, okay. not my, not my opinion. It's I, I, I think to be Mandalore, you still have to have some of the, the ideology of what it is to be a Mandalorian. I, I think that's the big thing with it. Because in all honesty, he he's just a part of the empire that happens to be burying it right now. That's that's my opinion of it. It's but 
is it to be determined maybe maybe he was a mandalorian or of the came from mandalore the planet and he just happens to because if we watch the shows now this is now this is where like because i did i watched rebels and a little bit of clone wars um uh sabine had the dark saber her clan had the saber for a while and so then we watched the show and all of a sudden hey somebody else has it so yeah that that was kind of an interesting had it Mm -hmm. oh that's right Sabine gave it to Bo-Katan. And so something happens. Something happens along the way. And they loosely reference it. Again, this this is new from The Mandalorian, right? The the Purge. However that goes down, uh, there's the Purge, and somehow Moff Gideon ends up with the Darksaber. Uh, And so you you see, you know, because, you know, uh, Clone Wars ends right before episode three. Well, or it, it's it, it when Clone Wars ends, it's right up it melts in, into it. in 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 the middle of episode three because spoiler alert, <laughs> you have you have Rex attempting to execute Order sixty six and and he, he can't do it. He can't uh, he can't bring himself to kill Ahsoka, um, and then you have Rebels, and Rebels is, leads up to episode four, right? And so at some point, and, and so of course Mandalorian takes place five years after, uh, after the Battle of Endor. So there's a 10-year span between, between uh, Rebels and when the Mandalorian uh, happens. So that's the question. What, what happened during that period? They haven't, they haven't quite filled that in. There's the Purge. Um, you know, we, we, episode three for us when we're recording this just aired. And so we find out that that Bo-Katan talks about she was born on Mandalore and, you know, she was there. She fought the Empire during the Purge. And then something happened that she had the Darksaber taken from her. So, yeah, we'll we'll see where this goes. You know, it's from the perspective of the show and the continuity that they're writing. It's very exciting because it's something we don't know. They're they're filling in a lot of blanks and and Mm -hmm. and, you know, writing new stuff. Where would you guys like to see this show go? Knowing what you know now, how would you like to see it progress the Mandalorian lore? Honestly, it's, you know, there's there's a lot of things over the, the years and, re, you know, going through the books and all that that's happened to Mandalore. It's, you know, it, it's to the point now that that's probably, I doubt we're going to truly see Mandalore in its full glory by any means here. Um, but it, it's one of those kind of things. Honestly, I, I don't have a specific area I want to see it go because... I like the journey of it. I really honestly do. I, I I could sit here and say, man, I I hope Boba, you know, comes back from that that one episode, what two, wasn't it, that he was at the end or supposed to be Boba Fett one. Episode, I'm sorry, well, one. Episode one. If I get get him on, <laughs> but episode one, he's on the end. He he's kind of watching things, and it's like, okay, he he's been hanging out with the Tuscan Raiders and all this. It's like. Yeah, I could I could sit here all day and say, man, I want Boba to, to get back to his glory days and just kick and major tail. But honestly, I whatever direction they take with it, I'm honestly going to be pretty pumped with. You know, just once again, I know me and Dave being inside this fandom of the Mandalorian Mercs, still us to this day to be at the beginning of season two and just having the capability of watching a show completely engulfed within the Mandalorian culture and all that. It's surreal. It really honestly is. Um, yeah, it's going to be great to see where it goes. It really honestly is. So you like you want to be more surprised than Not lost. than yeah. answer. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. I'm a huge Walking Dead fan. I've 
had the comics forever and when they kind of split off and did their own thing it's nice to be surprised it's nice to not have to you already know what's going to happen and having that like oh well that's different where are they going to go with this uh david or would you say you're the same way on your thinking for the mandalorian yes i mean and it, it also helps that they have completely new characters um you know this is this is one of those things that a lot of people a lot of star wars fans uh, they didn't like the sequel trilogy because it didn't match the 30 years of 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 what they had the story that they had written in their head or it didn't match what they wrote in the expanded universe um you know and so people were some people were disappointed not for the product that it was but it wasn't the idealized product that they that they had uh, again built up uh in in all the time um like Don said, I mean, I, I don't I don't know that I really want it to go any particular way other than I just want I want a good TV show. And it, it has it has high production value. Number one, uh, it's it's made very well. It's written by fans, it, you know, Favreau and Filoni and the people they've gotten to direct, um, you know, there's Bryce so Dallas amazing. Howard and and uh deborah chow and you know and uh, uh dave filoni you know all that they they've done a lot of fan service and you know they they incorporated some characters from the expanded universe they brought some of them in they discarded others um you know grand admiral thrawn is a good example of a, of an eu character that they that they brought into the canon when they introduced him in rebels uh you know the, the dark saber comes along um, but I'm also very interested. I just want to see where it goes. And I, I like that they're not beholden to an existing story. Um, you know, now it can backfire. You. It can be, that kind of thing can backfire on you, like in Game of Thrones. You know, once oh, they yeah. got away from what was written, <laughs> you know, it's the, the last season and a half, it just spiraled and was just awful. Um, we don't talk about it. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Game of Thrones ended at the Battle of the Bastards, and that was it. That's it. That was um, it. That's where it ended. You know, so, so I, I would there is. I don't know that there's anything that I would specifically like to see, other than I just would like good, compelling stories and good characters. Um, uh, I, I'm in it. I'm like, like I told you before. I mean, I'm in the bag for anything Star Wars. I mean, I'm already there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and and the beauty of, of Star Wars is that, you know, it's kind of like a salad bar. You, you you pick the good things that you like and you leave the rest behind, you know. Um, but but the, what they've done with the Mandalorian is is just fabulous. And I like how they're building they're building on things that have been established. And, and they're they're making they're taking the best parts of that and they're build they're, that that's their foundation. And the stuff that's not so good or the stuff, the, the parts of the uh, old expanded universe that could have been left behind, they're leaving those behind. I absolutely agree with you. I totally enjoy it. I think it's moving in a really fun, energetic direction. It's nice to see, in my honest opinion, it's nice to see something Star Wars that's not Skywalker related. It's it's a yeah. neat change. It's a, it's a breath of fresh air. It really is. It's, it's nice to look at somebody who's not... And, and not to like bash on the Jedi or the Sith. It's nice to see somebody who's a little bit more I can relate to on a level that is, you know, he he's very vulnerable. Um, it's it's I like it. Um, it does bring in a lot of the Mandalorian does bring in a lot of new canon. 
Um, we get to talk more about, so they bring in the Purge. Uh, they talk about the Children of the Watch. Uh, can you, uh, it, I know in Clone Wars, you kind of, they do talk about the Death Watch. Uh, can you educate our listeners a little bit about what the Death Watch and Children of the Watch are? All right. <laughs> so in uh, in Clone Wars, they introduce uh, the, well the the, the Mandalore, Mandalore at the time is the the regent or whoever is Duchess Satine, and she is the leader of this pacifist faction of Mandalorians, which a lot of a lot of people in our club and a lot of Star Wars fans are like Mandalorians are not pacifist, you know because. <laughs> They're loaded down with guns and they spent wars fighting <laughs> Jedi anyway. Uh, and so the, the Death Watch was a faction um, that opposed sometimes violently the the pacifist faction of of uh, of the Mand of Mandalorians. Uh, and those are people who were born on Mandalore. Um, and at the at one time, Bo-Katan was a member of the Death Watch faction. Mm -hmm. um, and then they got a little too militant and then she broke away uh it, because eventually, again, spoiler alert for a cartoon that's now 10 years old, uh, you know, Darth Maul ends up taking over and ruling and running the Death Watch um, uh, in in secret. Um, and then, you know, he tries to install Gar Saxon as as Mandalore. Uh, and uh, again, that ends in at the end of the season, a uh, Clone War season seven, um, you know, so. The, the children of the watch, you know, and the thing with the death watch is what we see in well, what was it, episode three of the first season mm -hmm. where uh, we see where Din Jaren uh, uh, Mando, he's rescued by, by the death watch. Uh, the Mandalorians that rescue him, you know, his, his, his parents die and the super battle or battle droid is about to kill him. You know, presumably that's during the clone that's during the clone wars. So the super battle droids there and the, these Mandalorians drop in and they save him. Uh, and if you look closely, they're wearing Death Watch armor. Uh, they have the Death Watch sig sigil on their shoulder. And so that's who raises him. And so uh, one of the other things, you know, we we're talking about canon and new canon. Um, the whole thing where they're like, you know, has anybody removed your helmet? You know, have you know, have you taken it off in front of everybody? Anybody else is like, no, uh, that that was completely new. And I was so, going to ask you about yeah. that. I We'll yeah. talk about that in a second. Yeah, keep going though. Yeah. So, so that was something that they introduced at it in in, in a, a new uh, in that show. And I actually right after that came out, I was at an event in Louisville, and so I'm walking around. I'm I'm wearing my armor and uh, and I've got my helmet off because I'm shopping at a booth there at this convention. And somebody from across the room goes, "Hey, you got to put your helmet on." <laughs> hey, different faction, buddy. Not me. <laughs> you know, and because that was completely new, because what we had what we had seen up till that point in episode two, you see Django, he's he takes his helmet off to run his, you know, and talk to people. Sabine's always taking her bucket off, you know, same thing with Bo-Katan and, and just and so on. So what the speculation was before was that whatever this group was uh, that that uh, Din Jaren Mando belonged to, uh, you know, because also it's like we can only go out one at a time. Again, that's new. Now they're hiding their numbers because of whatever the purge is, you know, because they mentioned that. Um, so that's something new. And the speculation within our club and within within a lot of us, our groups, was that that this was uh, some ultra orthodox faction mm -hmm. of Mandalorians that that for whatever reason they decided that they're never going to take their helmet off, even though that's medically and tactically unsound. 
Um, you know, whatever. What do you do if you sneeze? Luckily, you in know. episode three, they they come out and practically Bo Katan says that. It's right. that's one of the nice things. And honestly, ever since the first season, The Mandalorian, I know Dave's the same way. You know, we get you know be at a convention or whatnot. Oh, don't take your helmet off. You're a Mandalorian. I thought you know kind of thing. And luckily, we've got Bo Katan here. She's taking that bad boy off, and she's like, I'm a person under here. You know, which is honestly great because <laughs> it, that was it, it did get a little annoying to hear some, sometimes. So. <laughs> now you can go to cons like, oh, thank God, I, I can breathe again. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that and that was and I, I had mentioned it a while and i just like we made the joke but yeah that was a question was uh what do you guys do if you sneeze you, you can't really take your helmets off like <laughs> what do you do for that you guys got like some mechanism under there that protects your it just goes right into this tube you don't really sneeze you got a mouth cough and everything it's you guys were wearing the covid masks yeah. before anybody else was actually wearing them so it blocks well, everything here's another thing that that you know you also find out in this last episode Right. Again, spoiler alert, because, you know, whatever. <laughs> so like in the in epi- in the in this episode, the last episode that just came out, the the heiress, you know, uh, baby Yoda gets pushed into the, the the pool or into the into the, the holding tank and it gets eaten by the thing. And and Mando jumps in after him. Well, he comes up when he pops up out of the water. He's struggling for breath. So mm. that helmet's not airtight. So if because otherwise, if it is airtight. You know, you're just going to stay underwater. You're going to find that thing and you're going to shoot it because you don't care. You don't have to worry about breathing. Um, you know, so so that's one of the things that came out of that's another one of the things that came out of that. It, it's obviously not airtight. You know, we see we see him take his helmet off in season one. You know, he's at that village on that little backwater planet. He takes his helmet off, not for the woman who wants him to settle down with her, but he takes his helmet off to eat and, and so on. So obviously it's not off all the time. Uh, he lets IG-11 take his helmet off and administer a back to spray, which, you know, you would think that might be a little necessary um, <laughs> instead of being willing to die with your helmet on, you know, go figure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it, and practically speaking, you know, a lot of our, a lot of the other characters uh, that, that we do, that we, the Star Wars clubs do, they have helmets and, you know, you don't really ever see a stormtrooper with his helmet off. You don't see a biker scout with their helmet off. What do you do if you sneeze in one of those? I can tell you it's not pleasant. Learn that one the hard way. Um, you know, but that's, that's, there are a lot of questions. There is. I didn't actually never think about the stormtroopers. You know, well, I mean, Finn did take his helmet off and he got yelled at for it in, right. what was it, episode seven? Yes. And so, yeah, no, I actually never thought about that until I started. Honestly, I'm going to say this pandemic has made me question a lot more stuff now that I see in movies. And I'm like, how is that practical? That that doesn't make sense to me. And it's you know, it's it's neat. It's 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 funny in, in that sense, too. Um, but yeah, I, honestly, I that's that pretty much covers everything that I really wanted to ask of you guys. I thank you so much for being on the show. Um, is there anything, you know, you guys want to mention as a, you know, a last statement for, you know, the listeners? Well, honestly, when it comes to the Mandalorian Mercs, you know, definitely give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Check us out on the the interwebs at MandalorianMercs.org. Uh, we're always happy to have you. Um, the forums aren't just there for, you know, people that are cosplaying, you know, people that enjoy our fandom as well can come there and sign up for a free account um you know by all means we're we're welcome to have you and all that you know or you know by all means come anytime you know the more the merrier the way we look at it uh 
but yeah, we're, we're always happy to, to answer any questions and all that. And you ever see us in any cons and all that? Definitely just, you know, get a picture with us and ask all the questions you want because we love it. That's, that's what we're in for. We're, we're as big a nerds as anybody else that loves Star Wars and any other fandom for that matter. You know, we love talking about it. Actually, before David, before you, if you were going to say anything, I forgot to ask one question because okay. we are a more family-based podcast. We're about the parenting uh, getting your kids and stuff. It's, let's say you are the, you know, the nerdy parent of a child. Uh, you, you said you have a 31 year old and you have a, a 12 year old granddaughter. Uh, you know, what is the best way to approach? We'll, we'll stick with the Mandalorian area, the Mandos and the MMC, MMCC. Sorry about that. Um, what is, how would you bring them into it? Or if they were interested, how would you approach them with uh, the Mandalorian cosplay and lore. What would be your your best approach for this? Well, honestly, um, we actually have a, a subsidiary group of ours called the Verdica Corps, uh, which is uh, for children. Basically, we we do cater to that. Um, oh, it, cool. with, with it for a, a child to be a member of that, they do have to have a, a parent that is an official member of the Mandalorian Mercs. Uh, but in all honesty, just if they are interested in it, you know just do what you can to kind of foster that, you know, it, even if you're not building to become a, a member of a club and all that, you know, spend some time with them, you know, it's, you know, sit down, look into stuff, learn how to build it, you know, research a little bit, because honestly, that's a, it's a great bonding experience. It really honestly is um, being able to sit down and, and start from nothing and come out of it with maybe a Mandalorian kit. Uh, it's a great thing. It honestly is. It's, it's a bonding experience. That's awesome. Yeah, a few years ago, my son pledged his allegiance to Kylo Ren. So, you know, if I can get him over to a, a less dark side, that would be great. <laughs> you know, the other thing is, you know, with, with kids, find out what your kid is interested in and, and encourage that. And for some kids, it's sports. And for mm -hmm. others, it's it's Star Wars. And for others, it's, you know, Pokemon or, or whatever. Um, some kids have no interest in cosplay. Yeah. Others, that's that's what they want to do. Um, you know, my, my granddaughter, she's now 12. Uh, she's been going to events with me for for years. You know, she would come down and, and hang out with us and she likes she would march in parades with us. I, I'm, I've made her two sets of armor now. She keeps growing. Unfortunately, her, her mother keeps feeding her. And so she's <laughs> out. She's taller than I am now, which isn't saying a lot. Um, but, you know, but but that's something that she enjoys. Uh, you know, if, if you raise your kids, um, just encouraging whatever their interests are, uh, if it's something nerdy, if it's great, you know, you know, for a while there, she would my granddaughter didn't play Dungeons and Dragons with us. But every now and then I'd be like, hey, I need you to come here and roll roll on a fireball. And so she drop eight D6 and just kill the entire party, you know, sometimes, <laughs> um, you know, but, but find out what they're interested in. And if it is cosplay, you know, uh, 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 that's great. You know, find a, a budget costume that you can build with them, especially if you can do you can do a costume with them. Uh, you know, I, I saw one uh, uh, father and uh, this was when Zootopia just came out. And so the, the daughter was dressed up as as Nick, the, the fox. And so he was he was in a Judy Hopps costume with the with the police belt and the rabbit ears and all there that other go. stuff. There you you go. know, and, and that's just if, if you want to encourage that, 
uh, and, and I always think you should encourage whatever your kids' interests are, even if they're not yours, right? If you're, I don't understand basketball, but my my grand my grandson he likes basketball, and so he's always playing NBA 2K or whatever it is, and and uh, and you know just in, encourage that. And if it's going to cons and events, you know maybe they want to do a costume that you don't have any interest in, but you know hey you do it anyway or you do it with them. Um, uh, you know, inflatable T Rex is always an awesome costume uh, to do. You know, uh, you know, but. But just like I said, just find some, find whatever your kid is interested in and encourage that and foster that. Um, and, you know, maybe one day you will join a costume club with them. As, as Don mentions, we have, we have several families in our club um, that, that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's uh, the husband and wife or the, the, the uh, member and their partner and then their kids. And so then you have this whole family of Mandos that, that come walking around uh, some half size, some full size. Uh, you know, and it's, 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 it's just an awesome thing. Uh, our, our club, and I'll say this on behalf of all the clubs too, all the clubs are family friendly. Um, yeah. and, and we, we want family families that, that are interested in that to, to come and, and, uh, in the other clubs, they have something called the galactic Academy, uh, which is for, which is for children members. Um, you know, now the other thing that we also recognize is that, that you're, like my armor right here, I made that in 2014 and I basically haven't changed it. I've painted it a couple times, but it is basically unchanged. Uh, but if you have a kid who's, you know, who's nine years old, I can guarantee you that whatever armor you make for them now in seven years will not fit that person. <laughs> so, so, you know, we, we don't want you to spend too much money on, on a, on a kid's costume that they're, you know, and you're, you're kid is probably almost to the point where you're going to be buying him like two pairs of shoes in the same school year. Um, Only you know, and two. As, <laughs> yeah, I would, I have, we've been there. Uh, my oldest stepson, we ended up, we bought him two pairs of baseball cleats in the same baseball season. Oh my God, it was awful. Oh. Uh, you know, it, Hey, that's what you get to look forward to, you know, but, <laughs> but, but that's the thing, whatever your kid's interest is, uh, uh, just, just do whatever you can with them. Um, you don't encourage that. If it's reading books, great. You know, it might be Lord of the Rings. It might be Star Wars. It might be Harry Potter. Uh, you know, it, it's all it, it's all good nerd stuff. Um, I do have one last question. Uh, this is from a girl named Nicole. She wants to know what's better, Star Wars or Star Trek? It's easy for me. It's Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> it's Star Wars. I don't have to answer that question. You don't have to answer that question. We're not going to start another war over I, here. Uh, I, I no. like them uh, both. I mean, that's the thing. A lot of people want to start crap between different fandoms. Um, I like Star Trek too. I mean, they're they are different. They are different entities, and they they serve different purposes. They do. That's a good answer. I like and, that answer. And say uh, you know, because I've got a. I've got a row of enterprises sitting up on a shelf uh, right by my desk too. So, so that it's, it's a lot of it is what you enjoy. I mean, I, there's a, there's a lot of shades of, of nerd in the rainbow when it comes down to it. That's and, uh, and, and I, 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 now the thing that I will get you on is that deep space nine is the best track. I'm not a Trek person, so I'm going to go with whatever you say. Deep space nine is the best. Deep, I will absolutely agree deep, with you. Deep space nine is the best. 
And the Orville is better Trek than a lot of other Trek out there. So anyway, I'll leave it at that. I'm a Picard person. If I if I've watched Star Trek, it's it's a next generation for me. So okay, just, just right. it. <laughs> I've been more of a uh, Warhammer 40k kind of guy. I okay. like the lore behind that, and so that's been my area. Actually, my wall behind me, I have. All sorts of lore. I have D and D. I have Jurassic Park. I have Cthulhu Wars. Uh, <laughs> you name it, I have it back there. Um, yeah, I'm definitely a dabbler. Good. Uh, but uh, thank you so much, uh, Donald and David, for being on the show. I will definitely be posting links into the podcast uh, for the MandalorianMerks.org. Uh, anything else you guys would definitely like to put up there. Um, but yeah, uh, David, actually, you did get. In- you do. Did you want to make that your last words for the episode, or is there anything else you wanted to say? I know I did kind of cut you off there, or do you feel like you covered it all? I think we covered a lot of it. Um, I don't know that I really have anything else. I know first time, first time, right, that, Don? That, that's a first right there. <laughs> we got that recorded. We'll have to make a note of that. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, Seriously, I, no, thank I do you so have much one more thing. Yep. Yep. I do yeah. have one more thing that I want to ask Please. you, Stephen. When are you going to start building your armor? Um, so I have been building uh, my armor. It's definitely taken a little bit of time. Uh, unfortunately, this uh, pandemic kind of put a dabber in it. Um, the gentleman that was helping me build my armor is doing, uh, he stopped doing 3D printing for cosplay gear and is actually making stuff for uh, masks and to help out with the pandemic uh, with the Children's Hospital here in Hartford, Connecticut, uh, uh, the HGTCC, the HHTCG, a bunch of uh, medical facilities around here. So we've been kind of putting a pause on that. However, you guys did get to see my Rancor-based helmet. That's about as far as I've gotten. Everything else is in coding right now, and I have my jumpsuit sitting in the, the closet right now, and I've been putting patches and stuff on it to get it all battle damage looking but once it is done i promise you i will make sure to put it up there because i definitely want to see your uh your gatling gun your overcompensator <laughs> when you get that all built because that's uh bigger than that him. that that, <laughs> that that tickles the, the the military guy in me and i i like seeing big guns that, that that's always a fun thing uh again Thank you, gentlemen, so much for being on the show. Thank you for giving me time today to ask you all these questions. And I know the listeners are definitely going to be appreciative of all this information. Um, On that note, I think we're going to go ahead and close out the show. My name's Steve Pugh, and I'm with Donald, and I'm with David. And they have been joining me today from the Mandalorian Mercs Costume Club. Thank you, gentlemen, and let's have a great night. Thank you for having us. Thank you.